Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we are created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And if you cannot remember all of that, we have three words, family, our core values. Live, love, serve. Excellent, excellent. I want to look at a passage of scripture today that I I pray will speak to not only who we ought to be as members of the body of Christ, more particularly uh, disciples of the teachings of the carpenter, but a sermon and a scripture I believe speaks to this day in which we celebrate Pride Sunday. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, the seventh chapter, verses 1 through 5. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. And here's how it reads. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For the judgment you make will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you today and we honor you today, oh God. And on a day, oh God, we not only honor and celebrate who you are, but God, we celebrate the gift of authenticity, O God, the gift of uniqueness. We stand, O God, affirming your creativity by being who you called us to be and living through that love and that grace and that mercy you continue to provide us. So God, even now, we ask that you would open up our hearts, our minds, our spirits, so that we might be receptive to the words that you bring forth on today and the revelation that we experience. God, may the words that you declare in the collective meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are our strength. You are our rock. You are our redeemer. And we say, thank you. This is our prayer, O God. In your name we pray. We say, amen. Allow me to read that passage again in your hearing. Matthew 7 verses one through five, and here's how it reads. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you will give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. 
Today, family, I want to speak from the subject blind spots. Blind spots. That's, that's what I want to talk about today. You know, this passage of scripture is considered a part of what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 through 7 covers the Sermon on the Mount, and there are many interpretations of what Jesus was seeking to convey, seeking to teach. But the one I've always gravitated towards is the notion that what Jesus is doing in these teachings, these sermons with his disciples, is really talking about what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. And that kingdom that Jesus talks about is not a reality that will be experienced post-death. But it's about how we live right now. In other places, Jesus is keen to say that the kingdom of God is within you, within us, within all of us. And so the idea of what it means to live in the kingdom of God, especially if the kingdom of God is within us, it means that somehow this kingdom talk, this kingdom teaching is about how to pierce deeply within ourselves, to come to a reimagined notion of what it means to not only be a, a creation of God, but what it means to be in relationship with God by reimagining ourselves, reimagining God, and reimagining our relationship to God. So here, Jesus is with disciples teaching the inner workings of the kingdom, what it means to be part of the kingdom. And here in Matthew Seven, Jesus pushes forward something that clearly is essential for him as he even considers what it means to be a part of the kingdom. And for you and I who, who consider ourselves disciples of the carpenter, who believe in the teachings of the carpenter, maybe, maybe these teachings, this passage speaks specifically to us. Not necessarily what it means to be in the kingdom in Matthew 7, but what we ought to avoid if we claim to be part of the kingdom. And that passage at first glance seems critical. It seems clear. Do not judge unless you want to be judged. Judge not in the King James Version, lest you also will be judged. Because the judgment with which you judge is the judgment with which you will experience and then depending on your translation, it says something like, how can you talk about the moat that is in your brother's eye, your sister's eye, while you have a beam, a log protruding out of your eye? Some translations have moat, some say speck. But moat is a good translation that you find in some translations because moat refers to a speck of dust, a particle of dust, beam speaks to a beam of wood, a log of wood, a plank of wood. Now, when you read those translations, dust particles, speck, beam, plank, log, what is most interesting is that here is Jesus teaching in Matthew 7 about judging and not judging, about the danger of judging or being hypercritical or even hyperjudgmental. And the metaphor he uses is dust, wood, beams, speck, log, plank. It makes sense. He is a carpenter. He is a woodworker. And so much of what he has done in his professional life has been working with wood. And whenever I see and read this passage, I always see Jesus at the woodworker's bench. 
And somehow in that moment in the Sermon on the Mount, they are teaching his disciples about what it means to be in and a part of the kingdom. Those days, those moments, those times of reflection and reminiscing of his vocation, not just as teacher, rabbi, but as a woodworker, a carpenter come to mind. And I can imagine there were countless moments where he was in those spaces working on wood where dust would fly up and he would sometimes have to work with planks of wood or beams of wood or logs of wood. And here, when he speaks about judging, look at the language he's using. It is the perfect language for a carpenter. Don't be so caught up in the particle of dust, the speck of wood, the moat of wood, and missing the fact that you have a beam, a log, a plank protruding from your own eye. Don't try to fix the speck you see in your brother or sister's eye and not see the moat that is in your own eye. He then, after saying that, he says, you hypocrite. First tend to the beam, the plank, the log that is coming from your eye, and then you may be in position to help your brother or sister who has that particle of dust, that, that moat, that speck in their eye. At first glance, it seems straightforward. It makes sense. Don't judge unless you're willing to be judged. And more so, if you're going to be part of the kingdom, don't let judgment be your way of engaging others. Don't let your hyper-judgmental sentiments take forefront, take the forefront of your life. Don't let your hypercritical nature be the way in which you engage, not if you're part of the kingdom, because if you're part of the kingdom, it's about how you engage one another, not about whether you're going to the sweet by and by when we die, but being part of the kingdom is about interpersonal relationship, how we treat our neighbors, how we treat our brothers and sisters, how we treat those who are part of the kingdom universal. And here again, in Matthew 7, the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about again what it means to be part of the kingdom. And what he's saying is that avoid the tendency and the proclivity to become judgmental of others. Don't always look for something to be wrong with someone else or in someone else that you miss your own fault lines. You miss your own flaws. You miss your own shortcomings. You miss your own tendencies to undermine your own humanity because you're fixated on someone else. If I ended the sermon there, it would be enough for the day. But I want to push it a little bit more. Judge not unless you're willing to be judged. When I think of how often we find ourselves cavalierly and casually slipping into the seat of judgment, where we seek to judge other people, where we seek to be critical of other people, I, I, I'm amazed at how our judgmental nature is actually a manifestation of the audacity of our arrogance. Somehow we believe that we're in some superior place and we're in some elevated, lofty, moralistic place. We then have a right or reserve a right to now be judgmental of others. We somehow feel we've arrived at a point in our journey that gives us permission and the capacity to become judgmental. But that is not what the carpenter is warning us. Do not let your arrogance where you think you are superior to someone else because of some fabricated lens of morality that you use to judge other people be the way you look at life. It will deplete you. It will diminish you. It will undermine you. Don't let your arrogance and the audaciousness of your arrogance 
take center stage in your life. I love this because when I look at this text, I'm always blown away at how oftentimes we use judgmentalism in our judgmental ways as a tool of distraction so we don't have to look at ourselves. I get so fixated on what you're doing and concerned about what you're doing and worried about what you're doing that I never pause to look at myself. And can it be that sometimes the most critical among us, the most judgmental among us, maybe the most damaged among us, the most wounded among us, who are so afraid to look at their own selves that they spend their days gazing upon someone else. And this is what I meant at the beginning of this time together. Maybe that has been the fixation of so many who claim to be Christian. And, and I'm familiar. I always make that distinction between being a Christian and a follower of the teachings of the carpenter. You see, over the centuries, Christians have been guilty of notorious crimes. Just check the role and the scroll yourself. Look at how history Christianity has been used to subjugate, oppress. How Christianity has been twisted and warped and used as a narrative of subjugation. And some of us still operate through the narrative of subjugation and oppression. And we then use Christianity in a way to oppress other people by looking at a gaze through the lens of superiority and moralism or graceless moralism and thereby rendering judgment upon other people who we deem are different or we think we're better than. And in this case, when it comes to the LGBTQ community, so many who claim to be Christian have looked upon our brothers and sisters who have been seeking to live an authentic life and through the authenticity of their own creativity. And we have used our own hypercritical, graceless moralism to judge. Yeah, Christians have done that. But that's why I make that distinction between being a Christian and a follower of the teachings of the carpenter, because the carpenter here in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7 is saying, wait, if you're going to be part of the kingdom, part of this movement, honor who you are in your divinity and your humanity, judging cannot be part of who you are. When I go a little bit deeper, I, I see something that's even more profound. All these years I've preached this passage. And I miss a subtle distinction. And it comes in that word judge. Judge not lest you be judged. Do not judge or else you will be judged. And recently I, I had to see that word again, judge, in the Greek, krano. Krano means separate. Not just judge, but separate. So think about now Matthew 7 verse 1 again. Don't separate or you'll be separated. Don't separate. Don't try to make separation between yourself and another human being. Don't try to base or justify your separation because of things that are steeped in your own prejudice, in your own bias. Don't try to separate yourself from someone else who you have already othered because you think somehow you are morally superior. Don't separate because in separating, you yourself might experience what it is to be separated. Don't separate or else you'll be separated. And I had to even think a little bit deeper. Don't separate or else you'll be separated because somehow your desire to separate will be a lens into how you yourself may see yourself as a fractured human being in need of grace and in need of love and in need of mercy. Don't separate unless you'll be separated. Especially when this work is about how we bind ourselves together in love and in grace and in mercy. Don't judge or else you'll be judged. Don't separate or else you'll be separated. 
Separated from what it means to be human. Separated from what it means to walk and live in your own authenticity. Separated from what it means to be a person who claims to love God. Separated from notions of community that you now have halted and hindered because you actually think that the, com the community you form through your own expectations, through your own desires, through your own lens of moralism is the true community. No! Our humanity is a common denominator and the capacity to honor the inherent dignity of every human being in spite of your prejudice and your bias is who we are called to be as part of the kingdom, who we are called to be in this work. Jesus says to those disciples, no, this can't be the way we operate. When I think of the countless men and women Boys and girls who've been wounded and damaged by Christians because somehow the Christians looked down their nose. Somehow the Christians could not honor who they were because they could not handle the diversity of God and the diversity of who we are as human beings. And isn't it amazing? When you project your insecurity upon other people and make them bear the burden of your own insecurity, fear, and doubt, and somehow say you have the authority to do so because you're a Christian, you're a Christian, and that gives you the right to judge, to become hypocritical, to dehumanize, to brutalize, to castigate, to ostracize. Somehow you think being a follower of God and a child of God gives you the right to do so. Well, the carpenter comes to reimagine all of that. Don't judge unless you're ready to be judged. And then you get the speck and the plank. I go back to the idea of Jesus being a carpenter. I want you to hear this. It is in those moments, I'm sure, where Jesus was working with wood that the dust would fly or the specks would fly or the beams would be nearby. And maybe that's why he uses those things as a metaphor. But when does the speck actually fly? When does the beam come into play? It is when he was working, working at his craft. And here's the catch to the text. When you're working at what you're called to do, if you're honoring your vocational assignment, if you're living the life you were created to live and honoring that life, here's a question. Do you have time to be critical, hypercritical? I mean, when the dust is flying and the beams are laying and the wood is everywhere, when you're focused on what your assignment is and what your mission is, do you really have time to pull back pause and cast an eye of judgmentalism upon somebody else? Do you have time? It is like Peter who denied Jesus three times before the crucifixion and, and after the resurrection and he meets Peter again and Peter is fearful that somehow Jesus is hanging on or holding on to the fact that Peter denied him. Maybe that's what makes Peter separate himself from the other disciples. And somehow when Peter and Jesus meet, notice what Jesus does not do. He doesn't say to Peter, why did you deny me? Why did you leave me? Why did you forsake me? No. He said, do you love me? Three times. Do you love me? And every time when he said, yes, Lord, he said, feed my sheep. In other words, the assignment I have for you is bigger than the flaw about you that you see. The assignment I have for you is greater than the way you may even see yourself. Here's another piece of that text. 
because someone can hear what I'm saying now and say, hold on, Pastor, are you saying that I can't be critical about the moat in someone else's eye while I have the, the beam in my eye? So somehow I can't be fixated on the flaw of someone else while I have a flaw within myself? So are you saying then that those who are members of the LGBTQ community are flawed? No, I'm saying this, that is the way we see people. It is the way we have looked at people have caused us to see their humanity as flawed. And oh my God, this has happened throughout the course of history, not just with regard to members of the LGBTQ community, but there was a time when there were people, white persons who saw blackness as flawed. There were men who saw womanhood as flawed and they began to see people through the lens of what they deemed as being problematic, a flaw, a sin, a shortcoming. No, no. That's not the way. That is what you call projection. We are projecting our insecurities and those things that intimidate us upon anybody else and other people. No, no. But the carpenter is saying, get that out of your head altogether. Because when you think about the work, when the work is taking place, when do you have time to spend hours and days and months and years being driven by desire to be hyperjudgmental? No. No, too many people have been ruined and hurt. Too many people have been damaged and wounded. Too many members of the LGBTQ community, brothers and sisters, have been harmed by people who are infected with homophobia and transphobia and, and, and a fear of difference. Too many people have found themselves on the receiving end, not of love from people who claim to love God, but on the receiving end of hate and bitterness and brutality and punitive treatment of those who are simply seeking to live not just their best life, but their true life. Don't judge unless you're ready to be judged. Even now, as I preach this sermon and I even record this sermon, I can hear outside the sanctuary those who are marching and those who are in protest against racial injustice. And I'm often reminded that there's some people in our community who can only get upset about racial injustice, overt signs of racial injustice, but say nothing about covert acts of inequality. When you minimize another woman's, a woman's womanhood, that's an act of inequality. When you minimize the humanity of someone who is a member of the LGBTQ community, that is an act of inequality. Don't just be excited or intense in your protests and in your activism from the overt racial injustice, but also make sure your activism is consistent. That means standing in solidarity with those who have been bruised and battered and those who are guilty of receiving our own pain that we hinder on, or we push or put on other people, those who have been the recipients of our own baggage. And so look at the passage. Even now, maybe Jesus' teaching here is a form of rebellion, a form of protest against people who say, this is what it means to be normal, and this is what it means to be abnormal. This is what it means to be accepted, and this is what it means to not be accepted. Maybe this teaching is Jesus' form of protest. Now, before I, I end this, I have to say that in Matthew 7, 1 through 5, after Jesus raises the issue of moat, beam, speck, logs, dust, planks, he then uses this word, thou hypocrite. In the Greek, it is hypokrates or hippokrates. 
depending on how you read it. But here's the thing. We think we know what that means. But that Greek word, hypocrates, actually means actor, pretender. Oh, think of the text now. Judge not lest you be judged. Don't separate or you'll be separated. Don't look at the speck in your brother's eye and avoid the log in your own eye. You actor, you pretender. Maybe that's the other message. Maybe the inability to accept another human being in their own truth, that inability is an act of pretentiousness because you can't embrace or embody your own humanity. Maybe somehow that, that moment where you become hypercritical and hyperjudgmental, maybe that in of itself is a form of acting and maybe you need to pretend and maybe you need to act because you can't embrace yourself. Maybe you have a hard time gazing upon yourself and here's the reality. It is when you cannot accept yourself, embrace yourself, love yourself, hold yourself, cover yourself, be with yourself. You spend time assaulting other people's humanity. You spend time undermining other people's humanity. You actor, you pretender. You say you love, but then you build walls between you and the people you ought to be loving. You say you love, but then you establish boundaries that are shaped by your bias and your prejudice. You say you're a follower. You say you're a believer. You say you love God, but you forget your own issues, your own struggles, your own pain, your own damage, your own wound. You actor, thou pretender. Maybe Jesus was trying not just to get us to stop being judgmental. Maybe Jesus was looking at those who try to always find fault to always blame. Maybe Jesus is trying to get those of us who've been guilty of that to come from behind the mask, drop the disguise, stop being an actor, stop being a pretender, and instead be human. And being human is about having the capacity to honor the inherent dignity of all human beings. Life is too short to spend it, to spend it judging other people. Turn that around. And instead of being fixated on judging others, learn to live in your own authenticity. Learn to live through the lens of love. Learn how to love yourself and be with yourself and honor yourself because when you can do that, you don't want to waste time trying to minimize or dehumanize other people. No, it is not time for that. In this season, we can't afford to live as believers with blind spots. And I close with this. When I was a young man, excited about driving, I remember being a little boy like many of us, sitting in the car with my father or mother, and I would always try to mimic what it was to drive. I was always excited about driving. I would pretend. Driving. And then when I got old enough and I got my permit and I, my grandmother said, listen, you're not going to drive this car until you get driver's, li driver's lessons, or driving lessons, rather. And I remember my grandmother paid for me to get driving lessons because she had a car and she told me, you're not touching this car, you're not driving this car until you get driving lessons. I remember reading as I prepared for the permit test that I had passed about blind spots, but reading about it 
and testing for it is not the same as experiencing it. I remember taking those driving lessons, and you remember back in the days where you were driving and then the instructor had a steering wheel on his side and brakes and a gas on this side, and so it, it was like you were in control, but you really weren't in control. The, the instructor always had the capacity to make up when you made a mistake. Oh gosh, I hope you can hear this. One occasion during one of the lessons, I had put on the indicator, as he said, getting ready to cross over lanes, and just as I was about to do it, he hit the brake. And when he hit the brake, I couldn't move over and I, he pulled back. And as he pulled back and as we, helped, we slowed down, a car that I didn't see passed right by us. The instructor said at that moment, he said, did you see the car coming? I said, no. He said, because it was in your blind spot. And if you would have proceeded to cross lanes without acknowledging the blind spot, we could have gotten in an accident. We could have been hurt. How many people have been hurt because of our blind spots? How many people have been damaged because of the church's blind spots? The inability to acknowledge the places that we were blind to when we were blind to another human being. We were blind to the suffering of someone else blind to the hurt of other people. No, if we're truly going to walk in the path of the carpenter and live the lives we are created to live and love beyond the limits of our prejudices, we have to make sure we're always mindful of our blind spots. Because if we're not mindful of our blind spots, we can switch lanes and damage someone, harm someone, and God forbid, kill someone and how many people have been wounded by your blind spots how many people have been hurt because of your blind spots today is a day to not just acknowledge those blind spots but to stand in solidarity by those who may have been damaged when we tried to change lanes without looking and did not acknowledge that we were not driving by ourselves. We are on this journey together. Together. As Dr. King said, either we learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or we die together as fools. Acknowledge your blind spots. Come on, family, let's pray. God, we thank you and we honor you today. For even in this moment, oh God, you remind us in powerful ways about the ways we have inflicted harm, the ways we have hurt people. And oh God, on this day, the ways that we have inflicted harm upon brothers and sisters who are part of the LGBTQ community. God, my prayer is that we get to a point in this journey of life where we don't have to designate ourselves with titles we don't have to say, this is my white brother, this is my white sister, this is my queer brother, this is my trans sister, this is my gay sister, this is my gay brother. God, I pray for the day where all we see is the humanity of another human being. We will get there. 
as long, O oh God, as we take the teachings of the carpenter seriously. So God, thank you today. Thank you for this reminder. And thank you for pushing us to be our best and better selves. God, we love you. We honor you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.